Okay, so we're going to read today's scripture. So if everyone can please stand up for today's scripture reading for the message is Matthew 6, 14 through 18. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. All right. Well, today we come to uh, the end of Jesus' mini uh, series within the Sermon on the Mount. So if you've been with us, whether in person or online, we're in Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, and it was by none other, none other than Jesus. And I've been saying for the last several weeks, chapter 6, Jesus kind of does a mini-series within his Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about how his followers practice their righteousness, but I've been calling it uh, how we do our religion, Right? And he's talked about how in Jesus' day, he said, uh, zealous, good, God-fearing people, three ways in particular that they did their religion, that they practiced their righteousness was they would give to the needy, they would pray, and they would fast. And Jesus is for all of those things. What he's against is doing those things for the wrong reason. He's against when we do those things in any other way we do our religion, when Uh, Well, let me let him tell you, verse 1 of chapter 6, look back up at the beginning of the chapter. He says there, beware of practicing your righteousness, beware of doing your religion before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. That's what he is against when, when we want to have others notice how spiritual we are, how, how much we love God, and so forth. We, we are to have God be the one who is our audience. And so we looked at giving to the needy several weeks ago, verses 2 through 4. We looked at the warning in regards to prayer uh, over the last several weeks. And then we looked at uh, the greatest prayer ever, this model prayer Jesus gave us. We spent a couple of Sundays looking at what I call the Christian's prayer, right? Often it's called the Lord's prayer, but Jesus gave it to his followers. So it's our prayer. It's for Christians to pray. And today, uh, we finally get to that third item of doing religion, fasting. Now, before we get to fasting, we we need to rewind. If you were tracking with Dana as she read, uh, we we had some more verses related to forgiveness. So today is kind of a a two-for-one sermon. You you get a little bit more on forgiveness, uh, kind of picking up from a little bit of last week, and then we'll get to what it means in regards to fasting. So, on forgiveness, verses 14 and 15. Now, those two verses, they actually build off of verse 12. And again, let me just orient you one more time. The, the, the Christian's prayer, the Lord's prayer, uh, is, is really divided into two. Uh, there's, there's God's glory. The first one, two, three requests are about God and his glory. And then four, five, six are about our good. Uh, he is worthy. We are needy. We seek his face and then we seek his hand. And that's how the Lord's prayer is, is divided up. And the fifth petition, the second one in that second category is verse 12. So let me read verse 12, then I'm going to jump to verse 14 so you hear the flow of thought. So this is Matthew 6, 
Reading again verses 12 and then 14 and 15. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The bottom line, plain and simple, that Jesus is conveying is that the forgiven forgive. Forgiven people forgive other people. Now, if your eyes or ears didn't catch it, I want you to look at at verse 12. Uh, We talked about this briefly last week. In verse 12, in, in that prayer, where Jesus says, one of the things you're to pray to God is, forgive us our debts. And we talked a little bit about that last week. Um, it's interesting there that the idea of a debt, something we owe, is attributed to our sin. When we sin against God, we owe God something, okay? So so first thing to notice is sin equals debt in verse 12. But then look at verse 14. There Jesus says, for if you forgive others their trespasses. And by the way, I should have said, Again, we weren't there, right, obviously, and and Matthew recorded this, and probably Jesus had more things to say, but this is what God put down. Um, Jesus circles back to this issue of forgiveness right after uh, the the item of of praying for not being led into temptation and and being delivered from evil. And he's going to have a lot more to say on that, and I'll I'll comment on that in a few moments as well. Obviously, um, God's people being a forgiving Forgiven people who forgive is a big deal to Jesus, okay? So just, this is why. It's like he wanted to make sure his people heard this. So verse 12, though, sin equals debt. In verse 14, sin equals trespass or offense. That's how the CSB translates it, an offense. And then if we were to go to Luke 11, you don't need to turn there. Luke 11, you might remember, is uh, that other time Jesus gave this model prayer. Remember, there's two different times Jesus taught this prayer, at least the two times we have recorded here in the scriptures, he may have used it more. In Luke 11, when he, he gave it there, he actually uses the word sin. Forgive us our sins. So three words, debt, trespass, and sin. Now, three different words. They all do mean a little bit of a different thing, but generally speaking, they mean the same thing. When we, when we sin, we owe God a debt, okay? We, we, we've... There's a moral debt we owe him. And that's what we talked about last week because that's what verse 12 does. Uh, When we sin as trespass, I mean, think of entering into some property that says no trespassing, (laughs) okay? If we go in, even though it says not to, we have sinned. We have violated what is posted. We've committed an offense. Sin is definitely to trespass what God has said not to do. And sin is sin. It's uh, to fall short, of what God wants. So all three words do mean some unique things, but here it's simply a sin, okay? We don't need to get too hung up on the different uses of the word. I do want to highlight for one more time, though, this truth. Jesus, in verse 12, is not telling us that every time we sin, we've lost our salvation and we need to pray one more time to be forgiven so that he would save us. Once we are justified, once we are adopted, uh, once we have, have come to know Christ and are sealed by the Spirit and all the different things that happen when we are a Christian, we have been forgiven past, present, future sins. Positionally, we are secure. The issue in verse 12, right, as we said last week, is that loss of 
of, of fellowship within the relationship. My illustration was that uh, if I sin against my family, I don't stop being a husband and a dad. Those relationships are secure, but the fellowship gets disrupted and I need to say sorry. I need to say, will you forgive me? And so who are we praying to? Our Father in heaven, not, not just the judge. Oh, God is our judge. He is, and he's declared us just and righteous through Christ. That's part of what it means to be justified. God has legally said through Christ and what he's done, you're secure. But we don't pray to our judge in heaven. At least that's not how Jesus said to pray. He said, when you pray, you're praying to your father who is in heaven. And so just like kids don't need to worry, hopefully, about losing their relationship to their parents when they don't do what their parents want or whatever, right? No, but, but fellowship is broken when we as sons and daughters sin and we incur a debt to God when we trespass. We don't stop being sons and daughters. You gotta get that secure. If you are a Christian, you can't stop being a son or a daughter. But when you sin, you need to still say, Father, I'm sorry. I, I've, my fellowship with you is out of whack so we, we want to relate to God as our Father in heaven. Oh, he's a judge, and he's declared us righteous if, in fact, Christ and, and what Christ has done in his perfect obedience and his, his sacrifice on the cross, right, if that's been applied to us, if we're a Christian, a biblical Christian, then, then yes, he is our judge and we're right. But, but as we pray, Jesus says, you're praying to your Father in heaven. So, so Jesus, though, circles back. He ends that model prayer and then, Verses 14 and 15. I really think it's a big deal to the Lord Jesus and it's a big deal to God that his followers come to grips that we have to be a forgiven community. If we have been forgiven, we have to be people that forgive. Plain and simple, plain and simple. One commentator says it like this. The repetition, repetition of this theme serves to stress the deep importance for the community of disciples to be a forgiving community. The community of disciples, of Christians, to be a forgiving community. On another occasion, Mark chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus there said, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. That wasn't the Sermon on the Mount. That was another occasion. Jesus comes to this often. Later in Matthew 18, we're not looking at that in this series, but maybe one day. Matthew 18, verses 23 to 35, Jesus tells a whole story, a whole parable about how his followers are to be a community of people who having been forgiven, forgive. The forgiven, forgive. And that's his point in a nutshell. The forgiven, forgive. So Jesus' point is not, and I know it sounds like it to our ears, it is not to the same extent that you forgive, will God forgive you, right? it, It sort of sounds that way, but it has more of this idea, just as you have been forgiven, forgive. The prayer assumes that those whom God forgives in turn, forgive others. Again, the forgiven forgive. Forgiven people forgive. And we do need to hear this over and over. In fact, if, if, if there's someone 
who, who will not forgive, I mean, just flat out refuses to forgive, it, it very well may be that they have not been forgiven. Now, having said that, that is not to say that real hurt, you know, doesn't happen. Severe pain and, and sin against us that, that makes it very difficult to forgive and, and very difficult to feel any sense of wanting to release someone of the, of the moral debt that, that is owed. Okay, so I'm not negating that and I don't think God negates that either. But there's a difference between a struggle and a hurt, and, and we'll talk about that here in a second, versus a flat out, I will not forgive. Now, what do we mean? What does, what does the Bible mean by forgiveness? Because part of the problem is we, we confuse forgiveness with, again, feeling happy you know, about someone and, and whatnot. Again, in the context of verse 12, it's, the idea is, is debt. When, when we forgive someone their debts, that is, we, we are canceling it. We're remitting payment, okay? When God forgives us, he says, I will not make you pay me what you owe me. Aren't you glad? Amen. When we forgive others, we say something similar when we're viewing it as debt. We will not demand of someone the moral payment that is rightly ours. We will let go of the debt. We will not seek revenge. And again, the reason we can do this is because, really, this gets theologically pretty important here, but really, as we looked at last week, that language of debt is spoken of in Colossians, how Jesus on the cross nailed our record of debt. Think of a big parchment paper with everything we've done wrong, what we owe God, that was nailed to the cross, and, and it's been dealt with. And, and in that same way, if that has happened, right, then what does that mean? That means, that means sin is dealt with either on the cross in the past, for those of us who have received it, or it will be dealt with one day in hell. Stuff will get dealt with. Either it gets dealt with on the cross, or one day... It'll be dealt with in hell. So we can understand that and we can go, okay, like cognitively, okay, sin is debt, owing someone, we owe God, but he's canceled it, he's forgiven us, okay? And, and okay, if, if someone harms us, we, we are to, to say, I won't seek what you owe, I'll, I'll let go of that debt. But we do need to clarify a few things. First, Jesus doesn't say, Forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. I, I don't hear that as much as I feel like I used to. I don't know. I think we're learning that that's not the best thing to say. Jesus doesn't say forgive and forget. Just forget. Just forget. Secondly, forgiveness doesn't mean that there's trust just restored. And that's a big deal. When, when someone has sinned against us, often there's, there's now a violation of trust. And while we can forgive and say, I won't hold the debt anymore, that doesn't mean we trust immediately and just go back to how things were, especially the more serious the offense. Trust takes time to build up, right? I mean, we know that. We know that. So we can still forgive and all the while not be ready to trust. So forgiveness does not mean that trust is present. Forgiveness is also not the absence of consequences. 
I mean, let's just think for a moment. If I pull out of here tonight and uh, I decide I want to head to watch the sunset, so I, I head what, west down River Road. If I get up to 85 on River Road, there's a good chance CHP is going to pull me over. And, and I can say all I want to that officer. I'm sorry, officer. I, I shouldn't have been driving that fast. And I can mean that. I, like, it was foolish of me. I just, you know, wanted to get my Honda Pilot up, you know, blow out some dust or something and whatever. And I can, in all seriousness, be remorseful. That police officer is probably still going to hand me a ticket. There's still going to be a consequence. I'm still going to have to pay it. I'm still going to have to go before a judge and tell the judge the same thing. Judge, I was being stupid. I ate these wonderful tacos and it was a great night of church and I just wanted to see the sunset. And the judge may believe all that to be very true, but there might still be a consequence. I may still have to do traffic school or whatever and so forth. So we can think of all sorts of illustrations. Being sorry, being forgiven, all those things can take place, but there are still consequences. Sometimes they're legal consequences. Sometimes in, in families, right, there's different loss of privilege. There's, there's you know, um, di- different things that happen. And again, depending on who and what and, and all of that, forgiveness does not mean an absence of consequences. Also, finally, forgiveness is not the complete absence of any judgment. So uh, we will get to Matthew 7 eventually, and uh, whereas once upon a time, John 3.16 was the most known verse, um, more often in more recent times, John, uh, Matthew 7.1 is more well-known, judge not. Well, we'll get there and we'll, we'll look at that, but to, to, the issue there is being judgmental and having a better than, a self-righteous attitude, because in that same context, Jesus is going to speak about not throwing pearls before swine, and and, and in other words, you're making a judgment if you think I shouldn't throw these pearls before these swine, or or whatever it is. So to to make a judgment isn't a wrong thing. Again, the issue of judge not is if you have a judgmental, better than, pharisaical, hypocritical spirit. And sometimes we have to make wise evaluations. We have to make judgments. And we can still forgive and say, I forgive you. I release the debt. I'm letting, you know, I'm letting go of that. But, but there's still decisions and judgments that maybe have to be made in relationships and, and stuff like that. Forgiveness is an act of the will. It's a decision. And we live in a time when everything's about our feelings and our feelings are important. God made us whole people. But when it comes to forgiveness, it is first and foremost a decision. I will let go of this debt. Even though I'm feeling stuff and I may not trust and there's consequences and I'm making some judgments I'm not forgetting, but I, I can forget, forgive. And all the while, I'm, I'm, I'm on my knees. God, help me, because I'm struggling. I'm hurting still. What, what does this look like? And we get people to help us, maybe counselors, maybe friends. And, and we work through, we unpack forgiveness. In fact, if I could recommend a book to you, I, I would, I will. You can order it. You can look it up. It's called Unpacking Forgiveness, Biblical Answers for Complex Questions and Deep Wounds. Unpacking Forgiveness, Biblical Answers for Complex Questions and Deep Wounds. That's by a pastor named Chris Bronze. I'm just touching in these 10 minutes on big things. And I know they're big things, and I know some of you have experienced big, deep hurts. And I'm not at all trying to make light, but, but Jesus is clear. 
Forgiven people forgive. It's a willful decision. Our feelings may not be there right away and it may take a long time and they may never get there, but we can, we can say, I won't hold the debt. I won't expect that from you. If I've been forgiven, what I think R.C. Sproul, before he died, he was known for calling sin cosmic treason. It's a great descriptor. If we can be forgiven what we've been forgiven through Christ, then, then forgiven people forgive. It's a big deal to God. Obviously, Jesus twice right here brings these things up. And now on to fasting, something a little lighter. Sermon number two. Verses 16 through 18. Let me read these once more. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who sees, who, who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. As with giving to the needy, as with praying, Jesus now uses this final example of doing our religion, what, again, people in his day did in terms of practicing their righteousness. And he says there's a wrong way to do it. The wrong way is when you want everybody to know that you are fasting, right? We speak often in our family about being hangry, right? And that's not even when we're trying to fast, but when there's just been a little bit too long of a span of time between food and, you know, kind of things like that. Well, as we'll unpack what it means to fast, the, the point is, don't make it a big deal that, that you're going through this and, oh, how righteous I am. Jesus says, no. Again, have it be something your father knows. We'll, we'll talk about this here for a second. We don't want to take for granted that we all understand what it means to fast. It's kind of a weird word in English, right? To, to not eat means to go fast. Like, what is, what is that all about? Um, and maybe there's some medical reason it was chosen. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. Uh, to fast means to refrain from food for a longer than normal period of time, okay? Some of you are thinking, I fast every day between breakfast and lunch. That's not what it means, okay? You're not talking about like those normal times, okay? Um, Aren't you glad um, that, you know, you're not a hobbit, right? Hobbits eat seven meals, breakfast, second breakfast, elevensies, lunch, afternoon tea, dinner, and supper. When are they going to fast? When they sleep, possibly, okay? Clearly, Hobbits have never heard of intermittent fasting. <laughs> we need to understand what and why when it comes to fasting, especially the what and why found in the Bible. Now, there are health reasons to fast, to abstain from food, okay? Uh, Jesus isn't so much concerned with that, okay? And again, you, you should, if it's going to be a longer fast, longer period where you abstain from food, make sure your body can do that and, and you have, you know, medical green lights, and so forth, okay? What and why when it comes to fasting here in the scriptures? Okay, so some people think that just the act of giving up food or, or something is itself 
what, what is, is what God wants, okay? I know in years past, um, during this Lenten season, right? Lenten, just from the old English, that, that speaks of light. And we're now at the time when we are getting closer, the days are getting longer, and we're moving toward the lighter days. And of course, that points toward the resurrection. So, so Lent in the season is a time as we get toward the light of the resurrection, and we often uh, reflect. It's a good time to ponder the cross and why Jesus came. And, and, and so some people do, and I have also in the past given up something for Lent. I've given up donuts before, um, other things, okay? Uh, this year I gave up Lent for Lent. And uh, joking. Um, but the point is some people think that just giving something up is what God is after. And again, that's not the, the issue. Uh, we should understand a little bit of background from the Old Testament, okay, as it relates to fasting. Under the Old Testament Mosaic legislation, fasting was actually commanded only one day a year for God's people on the Day of Atonement. What begins to happen over time, though, is that they they took other times to to fast besides that one required time, and there's nothing wrong with that. So there were uh, other regular remembrances where they chose to, to fast, okay? In addition to those sort of times nationally when they would do these, these things, in both Testaments, in the Old and the New Testament, there, there are times when people or groups with various purposes, they would, they would give up some food for, again, an extended period of time um, to, to seek God, to, to pray, especially to confess sins. Often that was one of the reasons, to spend time corporately praying. So, for example, Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Now, on the 24th day of the month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. So this, again, is after the exile, after God's people had been, because of their sin, removed from the land. Now they're coming back into the land. And so God's people, they decide we're going to do this. Like we're going to pray and we're going to confess our sins corporately, seek God. And so that's one example. There's also times when God's people fasted when they simply wanted uh, to seek God over specific requests, specific petitions, right? We're, We're talking about praying and petitions. We see this in Acts 13 in the New Testament. Acts 13, one to three. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after their fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. So this church in Antioch seems to have decided we need to have some extended time to pray and seek the Lord. And part of that then was, we're going to give up food. We don't know the specifics of it. Was it for a day? Was it over one of the main meals, several days? But in seeking the Lord, God met them and directed them. What began to happen in Jesus's day, though, was that people, especially the Pharisees, who like to be noticed for their practicing of their religion, for doing their religion, they began to fast twice a week. Scholars tell us usually it was on Monday and Thursday, and and they did it voluntarily, but again, they wanted to be seen as gloomy. They wanted people to go, oh man, 
those Pharisees, they're so righteous. They're giving up food so many times. You know, I, I can't do that, you know, whatever. And, oh, aren't they special? I mean, that's really what they wanted. And, and this is, again, what Jesus is getting at. Jesus isn't about banning fasting. In fact, he says, when you fast. He expects that his people will do that. On another occasion, he's going to interact with others who are saying, why aren't your disciples fasting? And he's going to say, well, while the bridegroom is here, uh, the guests don't fast. So I'm saying, while well, I'm here, they don't need to fast, but I'm going to go away, and then they will fast, my followers. So Jesus does expect that we, now his followers, while he's gone away, will voluntarily give up food sometimes as long as we aren't doing it to be seen by others, right? Practicing our righteousness in order to be seen. Now, verse 17, it speaks there about anointing head with oil and so forth. Let me read that. He says, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father. Oh, sorry. Anoint your head and wash your face. Okay, so this, this isn't a religious anointing head. He's not talking about, again, kind of a ritual. He's, he's saying, like, wash yourself. Splash cold water so you look awake. You know, jump in the shower and don't make it obvious. In other words, perform your normal hygiene when you fast so that others don't realize what you're doing. Now, let me just say, too, though, if you live in a family and you decide to fast, you probably need to tell the other people in your family, not again so that they'll say, add a boy, add a girl, but hey, you know, person who makes the meals in the home, I, I want to fast this meal, um, so letting you know so that you don't make for me and don't expect me to eat, because, you know, there needs to be communication. That, that wouldn't violate what Jesus is, is getting at here. Again, the issue, as he says so clearly in verse 18, is when you want others to see, or like we read in verse 1, practicing righteousness in order to be seen in order for others to, to notice. And again, the promise is there, as it was with giving to the needy, as it was with prayer, that when we do these things for an audience of one, including fasting, God will reward. God will, will reward. How? That's going to be unique to each one. It's going to be, as one writer put it, God's gracious response to an act of faith and prayer. You see, we don't fast just to fast. The idea of giving up food, again, as I said, it's not just about the absence of something. It's so that if we decide, for example, this week, let's just say this week you pick a day and you decide, I'm, I'm going to forego lunch on Tuesday. And during that time when I normally would sit down and eat and whatever, that's a time I want to pray. Maybe I want to pray through the Lord's Prayer. Maybe I want to specifically pray for our country. I want to pray for our church. I want to pray for these folks, whatever it is. You do, you you abstain so you can seek the Lord. They, they go together. They go together. Again, you're not trying to draw attention to yourself. And, and Jesus promises that God will reward. So I ask you this question as I asked over the last several weeks. Do you do this? Do you fast? Not for medical or health reasons, but to give up some food for... A, you know, in between your normal eating rhythms to seek God. Do you fast? I have not fasted in a long time. <laughs> and I don't say that to puff my head up. I say that in confession to you, having spent this week in this. I, I like to eat. I get hangry. I, I don't like it when I feel the grumblings. 
uh, in between. And I don't eat like a hobbit, but, you know, still, like, I, I need, and I can say everything, well, I need fuel, and, and I do, and, and, and there is a place for that. But it's been far too long when I, since, since I have designated some period, and I, we're not talking here about you trying to go be like Jesus, right? Go spend 40 days. No. But, but one meal, maybe a lunch one day, maybe, maybe a, a dinner. Maybe, maybe you can skip a whole day and like have, have you know, breakfast be your last meal, and then you skip lunch, you skip dinner, you seek the Lord in some special ways, you sleep, and then you wake up and resume eating, you break your fast with that next breakfast. Whatever, I need to do this because Jesus expects that we will. And I, as a follower, I need to. What about you? I would invite you, church, to bring this into your walk with the Lord, into that relationship. Or if, if you have in the past, bring it back. And I would invite us, and I don't have the details thought through yet, but it hit me actually today. We need to, as a church, call for a day of fasting and prayer. There's things to pray about, things to pray about, and it would be good for us to do that. And I hope once I kind of figure out, and maybe with the elders, what that might look like, You'll, you'll participate as, as you can. And again, you've got to do life. You've got to, you know, figure it out. But I hope you would, you would join us in that. All of it, though, is with that warning from chapter 6, verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. We don't, we don't do it so that people will think we're spiritual, but we do it for the Lord. We do it to seek him. And our Father who's in heaven will reward us. I, I joked at the outset tonight that this was a two-for-one sermon, right? Some more on forgiveness and then, and then fasting. But let me bring the topics together for a moment. If you're struggling in a relationship to forgive or, or you know, you're out of sorts and there needs to be some reconciling, maybe a fast is exactly what you need to, to go to the Lord and, and lament and I mean it, lament to him. That's the biblical language we see in the Psalms where we, we are honest with God about the hurt done to us and how frustrated we are. And we, we let God have it all. And we go to his word and we let him speak to us and we respond back and we, we do some business. And maybe if we're able to set aside a meal, a time when we normally would be doing that, and, and we'd say, Lord, I'm, I'm hungry. I, I, I feel this. I wish I could eat. Because often here's the truth. Sometimes we, we don't just eat for fuel. We don't just eat because we, we got to live. We, we enjoy eating. It's sort of funny we're talking about fasting on a taco night. Aren't you glad I didn't call us to fast now? <laughs> I am. I am. But see, we like it. And often food and other things, they, they, they feel good. And, and they, they keep you know, us from dealing with the other stuff we're feeling. And so it doesn't have to just be food, of course, but... There's a place if, again, there's a relational out of sorts where there needs to be some forgiveness. And maybe, maybe, again, there needs to be some movement with someone. Maybe the first step is to, to fast, to designate some time, to give up food, to have an extended time seeking the Father, inviting him to help, to heal, to empower you to do what he's calling you to do. Again, fasting, praying, giving to the needy, we don't do those things in order for God to say, 
oh, I'm so happy you did those things. Now let me bless you and you've been a good son or daughter. Because of our Savior Christ, because of what he's done and because he has forgiven us and canceled our debt, we are called to practice our religion, to do our religion, to do it for him. Sometimes other people know. And so we give, we, we pray and we should fast. I hope you will. Let's pray. So Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for your sustaining grace to help us as a church with these two topics we've looked at tonight. Because of Christ, we have been forgiven. Our debt has been canceled. You nailed it to the cross. And you call us to forgive the debts of others. But for some, that's, that's a hard thing. Help us separate the willful act to forgive versus the, the feelings and, and the need to, to have there be judgments and consequences and recognize the trust issues, all of that, but, but still to forgive, to be a forgiven people who forgive and, and help us not have our bellies be our God, as the Apostle Paul said, and, and make time to willfully, joyfully abstain for a time to seek you in, in a greater way. And we need your grace to do that. We don't want to do it thinking we're going to earn anything, but in response. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who, at the outset of his ministry, fasted for 40 days. And so we look to him. We keep our eyes on him. Help us do that. Help us do that. And now as we sing and wrap up this part of our day, have your way in us. I O King of Kings, be and experience our King in these areas in Jesus' name. Amen.